this is true buzz that mary jane now we ain't new to this for my stoners and for my cannabis enthusiasts never heard a show as good as this yeah number one it's the best bringing in many special guests in the industry of cannabis business owners to growers even artists you know of so sit back and just roll up the perfect show for my smokers true buds yeah buddy Roll up a fat one for this show today. We got a great guest, <laughs> Billy Anderson, stand-up comedian and host of the Gateway Comedy Show. And you guys are going to love this shit for real. Stand-up comedians come out. They do about five minutes or so. And then they go get super stoned at an undisclosed location and come back and attempt to go again, man. I'm loving that, Billy. Yeah, man. How cool is it that you found a song that so perfectly matches what your podcast is about ahead of time? That's great. Yeah, you know, uh, it's crazy what you can. It's crazy what you can find on Fiverr, man. Gosh, man. <laughs> these SoundCloud rappers are rapping about everything yeah, nowadays. For real. You're like, like, you're like, excuse me, sir, can I use this? It just so happens to fit so perfectly with my yeah. podcast. Yeah, he's like, I need twenty five percent royalties on anything you get. All right, well, I'm here's like, your right. zero dollar check or a one time fee of ten dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man, Gateway so, Show. It's yeah. great. Yeah, we've been doing it for just under five years all, all internationally, an internationally touring comedy showcase. Anywhere that's cool enough to have us. That's how we word it. So. Okay, so a, a U.S. aside, um, where is cool Canada. enough? Besides, Canada, any, okay, technically Canada. internationally. Okay. okay, all right. It's a branding thing. Hell yeah, yeah man, I like <laughs> That's international. <laughs> yeah, technically. It's the best kind of international, technically. Yeah, I, I dig that, man. Cause, we, yeah, we'll go to Mexico if they figure their shit out. So. Fuck yeah. So when did you, when was the first show you did and what got you? Uh... Gosh, I don't know the exact. I wish I knew the exact day. We we did a show. We used to do a show in Seattle called Comedy on Trial, which was just my my way of creating a show that was one step above an open mic, where basically anybody in the community in the Seattle comedy community could submit for it. We'd get everybody in at one point, and there was it was a comedy competition judged just by the audience. They would vote for three people. So even if you brought people, they would vote for you. But then they'd vote for the two obvious winners. So there was no real way to, you know, no comedy competition is fair, but it was like the most transparent thing we could create. So I created that to kind of help create a pecking order in Seattle comedy because I saw very funny comics that were getting ignored because there was no place for them to peacock out their abilities, you know. Uh, And so 420 in Seattle, there was the first 420 after legalization. And Seattle being one of the first cities to, you know, fully get their stuff together with legalization of weed, I thought how funny would it be if we did a show called Battle of the Baked, where we essentially do comedy on trial, but we make them all do like dabs ahead of time and announce that to the audience and do it all that. So that was sort of like the prototypical gateway show because it was just, some of it was funny because they were really good at it and they were doing weed themed material. And some of it was funny because they were falling apart. And that was where we first got the idea for it. And there had been other shows that had done things like similarly, I'm not gonna pretend like I was the first person to ever think of like a comic doing a set doing something and doing another set. You know, there's been a lot of those. There was a show near where we came up where it was, you do a set, then drag performers dressed you up as a female or male, like the gender swap version of yourself, and you have to do another set as the gender swap version of yourself. There have been shows nearby that had done alcohol instead of weed. So I was about to ask. Yeah, so there's a lot of that. And then at the same time we created our show, there were other shows being created that were similar almost within like the month we did it. So it was in the ether. At the time, I would say in the last three years is when the show really started to become what it is today, which is instead of just being what the description is now, it's sort of a roast of weed culture. So we'll bring in comics, some who smoke, some who don't. We've gotten good about knowing the like you book one comic who does smoke, one who smokes a little, one who doesn't smoke at all, get them in the right order. But then we also like make fun of the audience and make fun of the culture of weed. Like we have a thing where they send us in like the weirdest thing they've ever eaten while high for example and i just have them text me because i don't have a better way to do it (laughs) but then i'll read through them and kind of roast them for that and that's how we come back from the intermission and because i'm not a huge like i always i describe it in the show like a tie-dye shirt wearing sort of hashtag 420 blaze it kind of a dude i've never been like a big pot smoker myself that it's more of an outsider looking in perspective as it is just a yeah weed man bro weed right yeah weed bro yeah <laughs> fuck so. yeah man no i feel that and um i love smoking all the time but i have a similar vibe where i'm like some of my videos i'll wear some crazy shit every mm-hmm. now and then but i've always been more of like a low-key dude who just likes to smoke but i love the fact that you're roasting the weed culture yeah well i think of it like this how many people drink beer and how many people are into craft beer culture 
there's a very different groups of people. A lot of people drink beer. Not as many people are going to get into, you know, what what it mean, like what a good IPA is or things like that. I think that's the difference between somebody who smokes weed and somebody who's like a pothead about the culture, who loves that life, who's like they're going to know everything about it. They're going to be up on the news. They're going to be like, have you tried this new strain coming out of this company and it's so good and here's why. And and I think you need those people because somebody should be a fucking expert, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but also the vast majority of people aren't going to have the time, energy, or interest to do that. And so I would say that our show is a lot less for the craft, craft beer kind of drinker and more the you know, Bud Light, I like beer, I'm into it, but maybe I don't know as much about it, and I'm interested in a show that pokes fun at it a little bit. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and speaking of the show, you have one coming up tomorrow, correct? Tomorrow at the Bray Improv, the Bray, Bray California Improv. Yeah, we've given away like 1,300 tickets because I, I wasn't sure how it was going to be, so I was like, it's 350 seats, let's just comp everybody in, let's just do free tickets for that show. And then if people want VIPs, they can buy them. But like, let's just pack it out because I've never been to Brea before. So whenever we travel somewhere new, I most of the time it works pretty well. <laughs> but, uh, we I don't know how Brea was going to go, and it's been being very well received. So we'll see. Hopefully those people show up. Okay, yeah. But hopefully not all of them, but well, most I, of them. And when I do say tomorrow, I'm filming this on uh, recording this on Tuesday, but I'll drop it tomorrow. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just. Uh, that sounds dope, man. Yeah, so you I, guys will know when yeah. they're like, Bray Improv, burn to the ground. Yeah. You'll have heard it first. <laughs> so have you had any, like, when it comes to smoking, like, dirt, midway through, like, mm -hmm. I, I read that you guys go somewhere, you know, like, you're not necessarily showing the smoking. Like, has anybody or any venue given you trouble with that aspect of the uh, show? I mean, it's all about what we can advertise, you know. So I can't say you can definitely smoke with the comics because we have to legally say they're leaving to an undisclosed. I can't say we're going to go do it in the street because that's technically illegal. Yeah. I can't, we can't do it in the venue because a lot of these venues have liquor licenses and you can't mix the two. It's illegal. So, you know, in the facts, I always say, I'm like, if you happen to find yourself in the same place this comic is smoking, they happen to want to smoke with you, by all means, you know, let's let's do it. But also, like, a lot of our audience are fucking dweebs, and I don't want them creeping on our comics when they're trying to get... They're trying to get high as a job right now. Like, sometimes <laughs> they only have 10, 15 minutes. They got to smoke it like a crackhead and really get into it. I, they don't have time to hear your 9-11 conspiracy theories, you know, or whatever. So, so yeah, it's... You know, we've never gotten in any trouble. Uh, the closest thing we had is in Bellingham, Washington. Where's that? Who cares? Uh, but <laughs> bumfuck Washington. Uh, we had the... We did it in a venue that was technically 18 and up. And the the Cannabis and Liquor Control Board was like, oh, well, you have to be 21 and up. We're like, no problem. They're like, yeah, but the whole venue has to be 21 and up. And I was like, I don't think that's technically true. And so I worked with the guy, and we were able to work it out where I'm like, we'll plaster it all over. We'll make sure nobody under 21 comes. Because we were advertising. We had a sponsor at the time. And so the sponsor had their billboards up all over the venue. And technically, if we let someone in under 21, then we were directly advertising cannabis consumption to someone under 21. So I'm, it made sense. And the guy was actually super cool about it. And I think because they could tell we weren't trying to get around the law, like I was like, oh, bro, no problem. Let's change it then. And they were really good with us to the point where I knew him on a first-name basis. Shout out to David up in the liquor and cannabis out, control board. But, uh, you know, he, he, he was the same guy who had to come to our Seattle venue. And it got to the point where people would – Maybe make a complaint, but he's like, yeah, but we know the show. They're doing things right, you know. We're, we're always in the gray area of that, like, you know, technically we can't encourage people to smoke on the street. But we can say, hey, you can leave during intermission and go do whatever you want. And if you choose to smoke on the street, well, I mean, I'm not a snitch, you know. Like, I'm, you're good. <laughs> so that gray area has been where we've lived. It's, I think is our audience is typically adults who are not there trying to fuck anything up. In the years that we've been doing the show, we don't have a lot of hecklers, a lot of rude people. Like, every now and then you'll get somebody who's just too drunk to know any better. But... I would say we have a much lower rate than the average other comedy shows I've produced in my life. You think so, that's because everybody's all stoned? I think your average pothead through use of the plant is just generally a little more empathetic and a little more chill. And that has bred an audience that sort of embodies that as well. So we've been really lucky that like our audiences are like, if I tell them, like in Denver, we do it at the International Church of Cannabis in Denver. And it's in a neighborhood. 
but they're also a Catholic church that has been retrofitted to be a weed-themed event venue. Amazing. Look it up. Wow, Anybody yeah, listen to this, check it out. The pictures do not do it justice. It's worth. You can get a flight to the, Denver for like 75 bucks. Uh, you can get a flight to Denver round trip for like 75 bucks from LA. If you're here listening to this, it's worth the 75 bucks to go see it in person. It's, I do, a, I do this show in a lot of cool venues. Um, it is, it is far and away the coolest venue oh, we do. Damn, it at. High ceilings that have been painted psychedelic. They flew in this guy from Brazil. I wish I knew his name off the top of my head, but they flew in this guy from Brazil who does these amazing psychedelic portraitures and they Sistine chapeled up the top. You'll see it on the this? screen. Yeah, and those pictures do not do it justice. To be fully surrounded by it is amazing. Yeah, that uh, that looks pretty. Cr- is that is that so? That's paint or is that stained glass on top? It's painted, but it's painted to look like stained glass. So it's it's beautiful. So anyway, so we do it there, but in technically they're in a neighborhood. So and we can't just have everybody leave and go smoke out in front of the place because you know they're not really supposed to do that. But we also can't have them go sit in front of somebody's house and smoke. So I have to literally take these people and we just walk around the block together as a big group. And once we get back, the intermission's over. I, we we technically they they get their joints. We don't give them to them technically. We're like, oh, I dropped some joints. Oh, if somebody were to pick those up and smoke them, who could say? You know, like things like that yeah, where. You know, we're just making sure, and then people never, never give us trouble. They, ne- we never have to shepherd people. They're always like, "Fuck yeah, we get it, totally, no problem." You got your bases covered, man. You're doing yeah. it smart. You're not trying but, to. But, but I guess it would be the whole thing would fall apart if the audience was like, "Fuck you, man, I'll smoke where I want," you know, or whatever, like your average drunk person might do, you know. So yeah, you're saying like, so nobody's ever tried to light up during a set in the show. People are just pretty good about That's it. That's cool, and, man. And, I mean, I can't say nobody because I t- typically probably wouldn't be aware of that if sure, it happened. Sure. But we, the closest thing we have is sometimes people will vape. And there's just no real way to stop them, you know. But more than that, I mean, our audience is typically very good. I feel very fortunate that our audience does not is not one of the many headaches I have in my life. So, and that's what I love about the cannabis space in general. Like you're saying, for the most part, most people are pretty laid back. On the whole, like no no group is without an asshole or two. But oh, yeah. I would say that out of any group I've ever found myself educated enough to have stereotypical opinions about uh <laughs> it would be the cannabis in uh, group they're just people are pretty chill also i would argue that a sh- our show is outwardly and unapologetically stupid and if you have a good enough sense of humor to go i'm gonna go spend some money and go see that you've probably got a good enough sense of humor to like be a chill relaxed person too like nobody who's too stuck up or uptight is gonna go yeah let's go to that weed themed comedy show let's <laughs> spend my hard-earned money on this weed themed comedy show like they're just probably not gonna they're not gonna do that yeah that makes perfect sense so um nolan was telling me too before uh before you came in that you travel all over a gateway show aside that you're doing like stuff on cruises and you're kind of yeah yeah i mean i'm a i'm an actual comic uh (laughs) it's weird i say that joke jokingly uh because it it snuck up on me um but no i like when i don't do my weed themed touring comedy showcase i'm also technically a clean comic that could be booked for your children's bar mitzvahs and cruise ships and things like that uh yeah i did a, i did a thing for a company called uh, the Harmon brothers or vid angel and they had a series called dry bar comedy where they i caught some of that yeah good, where, good work the, on there, where they release essentially pg or like g or pg related comedy specials and then they push them out through social media where you know it, it, they get their views and, and like I've gotten like six million views on that, and it changed my career. But it also, like a lot of the people that are seeing it, are booking me for clean comedy. So it's it's helped my my career. But the you know the two careers are very separate in a way because the people that are booking me for one are booking me for the other, and vice versa. You it's know, awesome so. you're able to kill it on both sides, though. It's that's, fun, that's, that's yeah. not easy to do, man. I was very fortunate that I was raised conservative Catholic, and so my brain doesn't tip. Like I, you know, I have dirty stuff in my comedy. But more often than not, I'm tickled by just like weird, ab- absurd things than I am by like gross or anything that would be considered not clean comedy. So, man. Yeah, yeah, your hipster uh, ghetto was cracking me up, bro. Oh, I still snuck my weed stuff into the special, but they made me say that I was sober in it and shit like that. Like, there's a bunch of lies in that special that I had to say <laughs> just to get them to allow me to release it. Well, because their argument was that I did my alcohol related material and my weed related material. But I did it from because all, all that material already takes the point of view of like, all right, I don't really smoke weed, but here are some opinions about it, you know, because that's when I wrote it. I had just moved to the West Coast. I was horrible with weed. That's most of the material that's weed related is just about how bad I am at it. 
And so I'm talking with these Mormons in Provo, Utah about my special. And they're like, yeah, but these people don't really smoke. They're not really going to get it. And I brought up a comic in the Pacific Northwest. I was like, you know, there's a guy I knew that got over heroin. And he does material about it on stage. I've never done heroin before. But the jokes work because he makes me understand what's funny about it. So I argue with them. I go, I don't care if these Mormons have never smoked grass before. I think they'll get the humor in it because it, it's close enough to the stereotypes that it'll it'll work. Uh, and that was, yeah, it was a fun conversation to have with a bunch of old Mormons. Well, that's so. cool that you stuck with it, though. I, instead, I, of, instead of being like, okay, I'll leave it completely Because if I out. didn't, I wouldn't have had enough material yeah, to yeah. do my special. <laughs> there's no, there's no honor in it. I would, I wish it was an honor-based thing, but they were like, yeah, 40 minutes of clean material, right? I was like, sure. <laughs> we'll find out. Let's you go. know. So, yeah, it was good. Uh, but, yeah, so I do that, and so I, I did cruise ships for a while. I stopped, push, pull, pulled back on the cruise ships. First of all, because they don't let you, they don't let you smoke, and they're aggressively anti-weed on the cruise ships. Oh, they'll yeah, drug test you. Really? Yeah, as a performer, what? they'll drug test you. I've never if, heard of that shit. If, for if they decide to, oh, there's so many uh, signs. Like they're like um, like reefer madness level signs that are like a high crew member is a dangerous crew member. You know that kind of thing. Damn. Like you see someone smoking weed, report them for your safety. And like, what are they gonna do? <laughs> Eat your sandwich? Fuck yourself. You know what? It's shit. ridiculous. And so. You know, it just stinks to be on a cruise ship. If they catch you smoking or something like that, they they don't just fire you. They they have the option to like kick you off in whatever port you're in. Damn. So that was a part of it. I just hated feeling like, just like in general, because you could if you test positive, even if you're not smoking it right then, like if you smoke before you got on the cruise ship, then they can kick you off. And I'm just like, I'm not gonna stop smoking. I'm not gonna stop living my life. I'm certainly not gonna stop doing my show. So I did it for like a year and it was great money, but you know, I think a lot of people in LA can relate is that I came to LA to be in LA. I didn't come to LA to have all my shit in LA and then be shipped off on a cruise ship, you know? Yeah. And that's what I hear too. Like kind of what you're saying from cooks and servers, like, oh, we make great fucking money, but people think it's all fun to work on a cruise ship, no. but it fucking sucks. Like you don't have time. Did you have time to kick it? Like, I had I had time to kick it out of so the the entertainers are called, they're called guest entertainers and so you're not quite like some of these people are on the clock. I swear to God, they have to be on the clock twelve hours a day, you sure. know, and uh, and they're getting paid good money. A lot of it's good money for where they're from, though. So if we're gonna hire a thousand cooks, are we gonna hire a thousand cooks from America? Or are we gonna hire a thousand cooks from Burkina Faso or something where the cost of living's way lower and then they can get paid twelve dollars an hour? And consider it like, yeah, because these are these are multinational corporations. So like, you'll see it on their on their tags that it'll say like from here, from, and you'll notice that oh, it's funny that all the cleaners are from this country and all the cooks are from this country, and it's because the cost of living's so low they can pay ten, and I don't know what they pay. So they, they can, can pay from wherever you're from, they can pay that rate, and it's all. Well, good. they're probably still paying a minimum wage for American minimum wage or whatever minimum wage from whatever country, but for what they're putting these people through, it to those people probably seems like an amazing amount of money where for you and I, it's probably minimum wage. And then you're putting the people to work 12 hours a day or whatever amount of hours they're doing a day. I don't, again, I don't know, but I can tell you these people worked. So I didn't even have it that bad. Uh, we were doing quite a few, we were doing three shows a day though, six days a week, which is a lot. And cruise ship comedy would be better except for the two things. One when we say you have to be clean, I mean, there were several shows every week that I had like eight-year-olds in the front row. And having eight-year-olds in the front row of a comedy show fundamentally changes the vibe of the show. <laughs> uh, because nothing makes you feel more like an idiot enjoying something than trying to laugh at a joke and then hearing the innocent laughter of a child uh, up front. You're like, oh, that's right. This isn't an adult thing that we're doing, you know? So that was weird. And then also nobody pays for the comedy shows. So they're on it, and you're just one of many options. It's like, okay, are we going to go see Billy at the comedy show, or are we going to go see Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, down at the theater? You know, like there's just one of many options. You know, or we're going to go see a magic show, or we're going to go see a, uh, 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 what is the term? Like a, uh, we had like a contortionist show on one of our things. So like we're just one of many things. So expect as the week, the people that are excited about comedy see you early in the week. So as the week goes on, you get more people that have already seen your act, and then you also get people that are just like. I mean, I don't really care about comedy, but we have to get every, all of our money's worth out of this cruise. So it just gets worse as the week goes on. Oh, sure. uh, <laughs> and then I have to be stone cold sober the entire time. Yeah, so it, out of all, if, if I lived my life and somebody told me, 
Billy, you have to go back to the cruise ships, and that's all you're ever going to do in comedy. I could live a worse life. It's really not the worst thing in the world. It's just not, as a young man, what I wanted to be doing right now. And so I kind of pulled back from it. And like I said, a non-zero amount of the reason was that they drug tests. So. <laughs> yeah, I would never would have guessed that they would drug test. Like, I mean, I could see maybe some other people who are actually like, running the ship and shit. Yeah, like, like, like a, do people the captain. Just, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah maybe yeah, he yeah, shouldn't yeah. be high. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe stay sober if you're. <laughs> You're in charge of this giant cruise ship uh, with 7,000 people on it. Yeah, maybe I don't want that guy high. Yeah. Damn, that's crazy though, man. So how yeah. often do you smoke then on the regular? Uh, I'm like a, you know, I, I'm like a end of the day smoker. Like when, when I was younger, my dad used to be like, he'd get off work, he'd do everything, he'd make sure the kids are good, and he'd crack open like a beer or two. That's how I smoke, where I'm like, all my work is done for the day. I'm going to be relaxing now. Maybe in the last two hours of my being awake, I might smoke my pen or some flour or whatever, but I'm not really a during-the-day smoker. Uh, but it still hits me. I swear it still hits me like it did when I was younger. Like, I just get so fucked up. I'm, I'm kind of the same way a lot. There's like a couple days in the week where I'll smoke during the day, but I like the late night. And that's where it's weird for me too because I'll take like still I'll take like 25 to 30 milligrams of edibles and it will get me like stoned as fuck like the same it has for years <laughs> yeah, I'm like what's going it on takes, here I found that I, I was doing the I think they're called petromints where they're like one milligram yeah. each and I found that my, my magic spot was about four milligrams and that's all it takes for me to feel good uh, and then once I start getting to like ten I'm fucked up so again I, I, I always thought the tolerance would go up and it, it I mean I'm sure tolerance is a thing that you can work on I will say that I think I've just gotten better at being that high. I think I'm still as high as I ever have gotten. I'm just like a little better at being that high. Yeah, it's more used to it, huh? It's like, yeah, yeah and it's, and if you wait, like, I'm sure you know, if you smoke all day, which I'm sure you've done before, like you're saying, that's when the tolerance gets crazy. Sure, yeah, exactly, because then by the end of the night, I'm just so used to being that high that yeah, like, like, uh, I can't get back so- up. You smoke yourself sober type shit. Yeah, and I just, I like I like getting a little high before bed. It's hard to turn my brain, I'm a very actively, bur- like, my brain's always going off one thing or another, and, uh, and at the end of the night, it's nice to have that off switch, and uh, to the point where I think, I do think, like, I don't think there's such a thing as being addicted to weed, but I do think I'm functionally addicted to that habit of smoking before bed. And uh, and in the times that I have not had weed readily access, it's harder for me to get to bed because I'm so used to that. So, but yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a vape pen guy typically or a bowl guy, but nothing much stronger than that. What, do you have a favorite vape pen or? Uh, I mean, I use the Loud and Clears by Absolute Extracts. They've had those darts dart pens they've been putting out. The okay, live I haven't re- tried those yet. Live resin dart pens. They're so smooth and so nice, but. I, I really typically just smoke bowls because the vape pens dry out my throat. They do and hit differently, huh? Like yeah, that. all vape pens. Yeah. I, every one of them, I have to always remind myself to be drinking water while I do it because they just dry. I don't, maybe everybody's different. I can't speak for everybody. But they do dry out my throat. So, But I just there's something I've never gotten past the enjoyment of just smoking a bowl. It's hard to beat. I grew up in the South. We were a big blunt. We were a blunt city where I grew up. Uh, and I never really cared for that much. I mean, we just always smoked when I was coming up, when I was, you know, 15. What, and what kind of blunts was everybody rolling up? <laughs> I mean, I don't, like, they were just swishers just that we swishers, okay. cut open and, you know. Nice. Like, you know, old school style. Yeah, like, yeah, I'm yeah. glad I got a chance to do it, but, you know, like, we'd always have one person at a party where we're like, ah, oh, they're the guy rolling blunts, you know, or whatever, and just cut, and then we'd have all that. I always used to think, I'm like, Feels so wasteful, you know what I mean? Like having all of this tobacco that yeah. we've cut out of these blunt. They were just in bags. Nobody did anything with them. Just throwing them. It's the same thing for People me. People just tossing Jersey. Them, Everybody's rolling up the Dutch Masters, and a lot of times that's that guy rolling. But then like, I've yeah. fallen way off that because, like you said, bro, it's like it's a lot of tobacco. First of all, it's a lot yeah. of weed. I also like would argue that weed is so strong. Like, the idea of smoking a whole blunt. Seems like to a point you're just wasting weed because you can only get so high, you know, and I mean, I'm sure there are people with the tolerance to support it. And I do think that to me is like probably what a part of it was for people like, no, I've got so, you know, like the weebs. I'm so good with weed, (laughs) you know, like (laughs) I need the whole blunt. I'm like, no, weed's so garbage in Georgia. I could I can't even find weed as shitty as I smoked in Georgia. Now, I could if I tried could not find it on the West Coast. I, I thought maybe, Billy, maybe it was just that you were younger 
and then or maybe maybe weed was just shittier back then because you didn't have anything to compare it to. Then I went back home a few years ago, and these people come out. Oh, you want to smoke? Sure, I'd love to smoke. And it was the same shitty ass weed. Damn. And I was just like, damn, I can't get high off this anymore. You know, so that's crazy. I hadn't seen any sh- real shitty weed until I moved to Kansas from after Jersey. Oh, what part of Kansas were you in? Um, like. Over uh, Johnson County. I was in Wichita for a oh, little bit. Oh, really? I lived in Lawrence too. Yeah, 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 I've been. Oh, nice, man. You know, I, I've driven through Wichita. Never really stayed. Never really yeah. had a reason to. I think that's most people's opinion of Wichita. Yeah, for real. It's like, oh. Driven through there. Never really stayed. Yeah, it's like a... you're not missing much. I thought when I moved from Augusta, Georgia to Wichita, Kansas, Wichita was like four times more populated than where I grew up. And so I thought, oh, I'm moving to the big city. It was just a bunch of So nothing. what brought you there? Uh, I was working for T-Mobile. Okay. I was working for, uh, I was a data analyst for T-Mobile in another life. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was moving there because I was trying to work my way up the company. That's kind of how I got started into stand-up is T-Mobile. It was just, you know, I've, I, I was like a troubled kid in high school and like dropped out, got my GED and was just working my way up in whatever company would hire me. And I did really good in customer service and a lot of the same things that brought me to stand-up comedy were what made me better at like customer service jobs so I was working as a customer service rep for there and T-Mobile at the time I can't speak for it anymore but had an amazing internal promotion rate they were like 90% internal internal promotion so the idea is you could go there as a young man with a GED and if you were good at whatever you were doing they'd push you up the company so I went from that to like a supervisor to a manager to a data analyst and uh so they didn't have any of those jobs in Augusta, and they were like, well, if you're willing to move to Wichita. And uh, and then from moving to Wichita, T-Mobile tried to merge with Sprint, and then they started being horrible to their employees, and they were doing these things called backdoor layoffs, which was instead of just laying people off, because if they did that, they wouldn't get their merger approved with Sprint, because they'd be like, well, now you're cutting jobs. This isn't good for the economy. We're going to deny this merger. They would just increase the expectations on all their employees and be like, oh, gosh, you're not meeting our expectations. You should just quit. That's uh, fucked up. Yeah, it was fucked. I, and I was in doing data analy- analytics for the company. I was seeing all this. I didn't like it. I went to HR about it, and then I got laid off. And, uh, and I just swore I would never work for a big corporation like that again, and that's what brought me to stand-up. And so, but yeah, man, fuck Wichita. I you, got some, my uh, big you got some good T-Mobile bits? No, I don't talk about it. You know, it's so funny. It feels like a completely other life because it's, I, I don't really find anything funny about it. I thought it was really screwed up what they did. And so I'm like, I'm still, it started a longstanding anti-capitalist slant in me for a man who runs his own business. But uh, it's just, uh, that's what big corporations do. Like they, they, they could have, they could have easily afforded, they're a multi-billion dollar multinational corporation. They could have afforded to lay people off. But they did the math, and we're like, oh, it'll save us three pennies on the dollar to ruin a million lives or whatever. Not a million lives, but thousands of lives. Most of the people who worked for T-Mobile were with them like two two business names back. They were with them for like 12 years. Yeah, a lot of shit. single mothers, a lot of people who were relying on it for insurance and things like that. And they were taking these people, and they were looking at them, and they were going, hey, you've been with us 12 years. If we fire you, that's going to be a huge gap in your resume you're probably not going to recover from. You should start looking for work right now, even if it pays you a little less. Instead of just laying people off and going, hey, we'll pay you a severance. You'll keep your insurance for six months. This is, you know, it's good for the business, but we also want to treat you right, da-da-da-da-da. So seeing that, I'm just, I if, if I had to stop doing comedy tomorrow, I would never work for a big corporation again. Never. Just seeing that, because you're just disposable. I feel that. and But... All that being said, the data and all that, that, that helps you with your show. And you're showing me some yeah. like a little analytics earlier with your tickets and stuff. So Yeah, I would argue that like learning how to use Excel helped, you know, learning how to be a half decent person with customer services helped me when I'm like helping. Like we had some stuff in Portland this last weekend. We run the show monthly up there. I, I don't go up every month, but we have someone run it. And uh, I forgot that they had a new bar manager, so they didn't set anything up. We have VIP tickets. They didn't set them up. So all these people bought these expensive VIP tickets, and almost none of them got to sit at their seats. And so people were mad, but I was like, just refund them, let them in. I emailed them all. We got the, we made sure they were all refunded, and we gave them free tickets to the next one, you know. And like That's just all be, people want, man. And just being able to acknowledge, be like, no, like, I'll, you know, mostly what people want is for you to go, yeah, I fucked up. And, like, here's what I'm doing to fix it. Is that good enough? Because at the end of the day, I mean, they have a good point. They were all, they spent the, they were so excited for my show, they spent the extra money to get a little something extra, and then we failed them. And so I would say, like, that that mentality of, like, accountability was important from working at a call center. But other than that, fuck them, man. What a horrible company. 
fuck them. <laughs> if you take nothing, if you take you know, nothing I, I away. I did have a, fuck, I had T-Mobile back when I first got my phone. I think I had the fucking uh, Razor with them. Yeah, that's taking back it way back. Day, bro. T-Mobile's problem was they wanted to be the cost leader, and they also wanted to be the customer service leader, and it taught me something, which is if you're the lowest cost, big name option, then you're going to get all the people that can't really afford you but want to live in that world of everything. So like, we were never going to be, no matter how good we tried to be customer service-wise, Verizon charged more, and then they got people who were willing to spend more, and then it was the sunk cost fallacy, where if you spend more on something, you want it to be worth it. You don't want it to have not been worth it, because then that makes you an idiot. But if you can barely afford cell phone service, then every nickel and dime feels like an attack. And so those people were going to cause more trouble be more upset and I think that was maybe the most important lesson I learned is like you never want to be the lowest cost option because you're only going to get people that can't really afford you anyway I feel that and I feel that's like across the board with a lot of stuff like the people who maybe complain the most or people who ask for the most stuff are the people um, who are going to complain the most like, yeah. like the whole 80 if you're overly frugal you're going to be the one that's going to check your bill and check for that 20 cent tax increase you're going to be the one that's going to go why are you charging me xyz if you got money to burn you're not worried about yeah, it. you're good let it burn baby and most of the cell phone companies were roughly as good as each other i mean we're talking one or two percentage in coverage maps and stuff like that, just because of the way that the whole system works so it was uh it was funny that T-Mobile got the per- the perception of being the worst, but what it really was, we looked into this, is that most of the people that could afford T-Mobile were more rurally located, so the perception that T-Mobile was worse was perpetuated by T-Mobile uh, customers because they lived in shitty parts of the country that nobody it's wanted to spend fuck. money to live in. Yeah, so it was that on. But it was it was important as a, as a business owner to like get that down and sort of understand those things, and they were very supportive of me being a GED you know, graduate from the South with no, at that time, usable skills. They were good about developing from within. But yeah, I just, I can't imagine what it would be like. I mean, like that's that was 10 years ago. You know, I, I hear that it only has only gotten worse in like call center work is yet another thing that is becoming automated and being, ex, you know, kicked out of our country. So it's only gotten worse for those people who stuck with it. So. And I'm hearing that too from people in the cannabis space working in dispensaries and shit. Because a lot of people are coming in with the big money and they're kicking these people out who, you know, have been bud tenders and are experts, yeah. been doing it for a long time, and they just know they can hire somebody for minimum wage as opposed to, like, somebody who's been doing this shit for a minute. Think of 100 non-experts you know. What do they really, do they really need weed experts in a, in a dispensary? How many people are actually benefiting from a weed expert? Or do they just need somebody who can confidently convince you what you're buying is decent? I would argue that the average consumer isn't educated enough to benefit from an educated p- a bud tender, in my opinion. And I, I, w- I would agree with that, but there's also some other parts, like in terms of like the dispensaries who have their own grows and stuff, and the facilities there. And the, oh yeah. yeah. So, but I, I wonder how many. I wonder how many places. I I won't mention this, but my roommate used to work for a, a higher end uh, cannabis uh, uh, dispensary in Los Angeles. And seeing how it worked out for them, it was just somebody who had bought up the license and bought up the company, and that person didn't know what the fuck they were doing yeah, at exactly. all. They had no idea what they were talking about, and they're like a chair on several organizations, but only because they're rich. Everything else about them, they're not good business people. They're not. It just they were some rich person who was like, "Daddy, Daddy, buy me a dispensary. <laughs> it's a part of my lifestyle brand on the Instagram, Daddy." And so you see that, and you go. Okay, but if if we're if we're only putting out so many licenses, then inherently the people with money are gonna be the only ones that can benefit from it. Like, at what point does your knowledge actually benefit you in a capitalist environment like that? Like in a like, well, and, and yeah, and to your point too, it all trickles down. So this this guy gets it. He doesn't know shit. So then the product goes down. People mm-hmm. go to the store and they're like, "Yo, this shit's not that great." Yeah, but when these stores are routinely selling out of their weed anyway, is there really a? I mean, I don't, I don't know, I don't know the answer to these questions. These are things I've asked myself. Sure, is sure. there inherently a benefit in being good at this anymore? If if the if the customers are still coming, if they're so uneducated they don't know any better, and they're still coming, and they're really just worried about cheap pre rolls and things like that, which you know what I mean, like. 
where 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 does that expertise actually benefit you on a financial level? I don't I don't know anymore. From seeing it from from being in my industry and and going and working with stores, and then also having my roommate work for that dispensary and seeing what they do, the I feel like regulation in California is so tied up to the point where you have to have millions of dollars to really make an impact anyway. That short of breaking laws. I feel like that's really the only way you can get around it is when you start, like you, I went to a place in Sacramento that was like a farmer's market for weed and I would say that it was probably legal adjacent in that I don't think they were really allowed to be doing what they were doing where I walked into a room and it was like a, um, it was like a swap meet for weed, you know, and. They have those here too. Yeah, I mean, are those of, are those legal or are they legal adjacent? You know you what know, I mean? You know, I'm not positive. What exactly does legal adjacent mean? Legal adjacent would mean like, okay, well, I probably couldn't put an ad in the newspaper for this, okay. you know, but also nobody's really, like, it's technically illegal, but no one's enforcing the laws. Like, how many stores in L.A. County are not, don't actually have a, a license to be a store? That's a legal adjacent. If nobody's enforcing the laws, what do the laws mean, you know? Yeah. I used to have one right down the street from me. I'm like, what the fuck is this place? Oh, I'm in Encino, and there's one, like, right near, the, I mean, it's, Branded out everything, but they're certain. I don't think that they're a licensed place at all. And, and, so. and bringing that up, um, we were talking a little bit before about ads, yeah. and I wanted to ask you how you were, how you've been had success of, if you don't mind, of running some ads because I tried back and I just gave up, like trying oh, to. Well, like everything in my life, it's technically illegal. Uh, it's <laughs> so our argument, and we've been shut down twice and fought and gotten it back up twice. But our argument is that our show does not directly sell weed. It is a show about weed. There are shows on Netflix that are about weed, and they advertise because they don't directly sell weed. You know, if I had a show about alcohol, I could advertise it on, you know, Facebook and things like that without it directly encouraging minors to drink alcohol from a specific brand. So that's my argument is that we're a satiric comedy show about weed, so therefore we don't fall under your laws. Uh, sense. for that and as long as you can make a good argument if you can actually get somebody on the phone they're 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 fine as long as you're not directly scamming them so and that's how we work with sponsors a lot too is we say hey listen we're you know we've been doing this for years i've spent a hundred thousand dollars on facebook ads over the course of my lifetime and now sure. granted those are almost all paid for by sponsors and that's our pitch to them is we're like hey you have no ability to advertise if you tr if you even tried to put it they would not only cancel you they'd cancel your ability to do ads and delete your social media everybody in the weed space has had that happen in some way either through facebook or instagram same company so it doesn't matter you know but everybody's had that happen to the point where so you've seen somebody where like nothing's for sale whatever 108 whatever <laughs> nonsense they're putting up like they really give a fuck you know like if they're going to delete your shit they're going to delete your shit yeah. doesn't matter what numbers you toss out you know but we would say like, but it's very legal for you to present or sponsor a, we have, we say present because we say sponsor, you get flagged. So they present our comedy show and then we put that in our ads presented by blah, 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 blah. So it's essentially a brand advertisement. So that way people become more aware of your brand, you sponsor our show and then you get in front of a hundred to 300 people who are so into weed culture that they're willing to spend their own money that they have disposable income and they're willing to spend that disposable income on a weed themed comedy show. Those are perfect, perfect hot leads you want to know about your brand. So it's a good deal for them too. So that's essentially how we go about it is if I'm going to a new city, we figure out a venue and we figure out a date and then we put a soft hold on that. I contact all the weed companies that I, that seem reputable in an area because we don't want to work with shitty people. You know, they pay us uh, for that partnership. We use hundred percent of that money on Facebook ads and we use those to sell tickets. Brilliant, man. Yeah. I'm loving that. And yeah. I don't mind telling people that's how we do it because good fucking luck. It drives me insane doing that. If you'd like to re replicate that, good uh, luck to you. I feel you. That's kind of that's what I'm doing here with the True Buds TV mm -hmm. um, is because you're, like you're saying, there's not a whole lot of ways people can market and um, really well, through. Yeah. What do they want to do? Do they want to hire a video team to create custom content for their brand or do they want to hitch their wagon to someone who's already doing that already has the equipment already has the connections already has good content and then why don't we make it about your brand hitch it to that and now you guys have a solid fixed cost as opposed to having to hire employees buy equipment do stuff and then also come up with content create i mean that's a lot that's a whole department you would have to hire or you just give me 500 bucks 
<laughs> for real. But, and that's that's like exactly where I am, man. So that's yeah. cool that you're doing it on. That's really cool though how you broke it down like that. And I like how you said present like the little like subtleties that. If you say uh, sponsored, you will get flagged. Sponsor is the quickest way to get flagged on Facebook because it implies you have a product you know that you're in conjunction with if you say presented by it doesn't matter presented can you know do you run ads on ig as well typically i so my my, i run i've had success in getting visibility through instagram but not ticket sales so facebook is great because i do a mixture of a facebook event boost which gets people rsvping which gets them into essentially my little facebook mailing list where if i update that it like alerts them like so-and-so posted in your Facebook event. Like, Hey, buy, remember buy your tickets, fuck faces, you know, or whatever. <laughs> uh, and then also they RSVP and it shows up on like another thing I do too, is you in a Facebook ad, you have to have 20% text or less. Right. So our Facebook ads real, <laughs> it's not subtle. It just, it's like weed comedy, bleh, you know, but if you create a Facebook event, if you create the event boost through Facebook and you, you create the image and it has to have 20% text or less, that's the rule. But your cover photo on the event can have whatever text you want it to be. And so if I, John Q. Public, RSVP to your event that you boosted that has the comedy plus weed, 20% less text, your friends don't see my ad copy. Your friends don't see my ad image that has to have 20%. Your friends see my cover photo on it, which can have as much text as I want it to have. So it can say... The Gateway Show, stand-up comics, tell jokes, smoke weed, tell more jokes, this date, this venue, blah, blah. And it's over it. So I'm not even really trying to target you with my ad. I'm trying to get you to RSVP to my ad and then have all your friends see the much more specific, much deeper description of my show on your feed. And so that's one thing you can do with uh, Facebook advertising that you don't, you know, you don't really think about a lot. Dropping some insight here, man. So yeah, it, it, it this is going to help three people. Right. Everybody counts, man. <laughs> this Everybody. is some hyper-specific <laughs> feedback for people who are doing exactly what I'm doing and nothing else. <laughs> no, it can apply to other no, it the could. cannabis space. But you could, uh, my opinion is, I like, for example, my roommate does massage, and so she registered cbdcmt.com and Infuse Touch, and one thing we're going to try to do is get her to do, like, a CMT and a, like, THC infused massages and instead of doing direct advertisement we're going to run events so we can advertise her company as through the events so you could still do that and then a bunch of people know about her we do a live event where she like teaches somebody how to do couples massage but then all the people that see it now have heard about her brand even though she could not technically advertise her brand on Facebook we can advertise an event sponsored by her brand so I would argue that Facebook event boosting is the number one way to sneak around Facebook's rules. And that if you are a weed company, you should be looking for event-based things to hit your wagon to and then just tell them, we'll run your, we'll run the ads. Don't worry. Because you probably have somebody who knows what they're doing in that space. So, It sounds like you're, you're kind of the guy running all the ads yourself. I do everything I, myself. Do everything I'm a yep. one-man business. <laughs> so, because it's just, I mean, my argument would be anybody who's like, I don't know how to do that. Well, I didn't either. Uh, how much money? Do, <laughs> how much money do you waste on bullshit every week when you could be testing and experimenting and learning things and developing yourself? The only thing no one can take from you uh, is your ability to learn something. You know, short of a car crash or something, but uh, <laughs> short, of, short of hitting your head on the ground. But you know, like it's stuff that has real value. And I mean, I literally dropped out of high school, got my GED, didn't go to any college. I mean, the customer service aspect helped, but I didn't know anything about advertising beforehand. So I just started doing it and trial and error and read things and watch stuff on Skillshare and just anything you could. It's not, I think there's this idea that we were like people of my generation, like millennials were instilled with like, there's somebody who f- knows it all and that they're the expert and you wish you were that, but you're not. Everybody's just figuring it the fuck out. And like Facebook advertising changes so much every year that if you don't stay on it, you'll fall behind anyway. So if I were to learn today, it would take you less time to get where I am now than it would take me because it, it's changed so much. So a lot of the stuff I was doing three years ago is completely irrelevant now. So I, that would be my biggest advice. Anybody hearing this is like, I know it sounds like a lot, but it's, you know, there's only one way to do it. Just fucking do it because there's, it's not an impossible task. Dumber people than you are doing it right now. <laughs> Yeah, no, and that's motivation to me too, man, because I don't really – I kind of wrote off Facebook a, like a, a little while ago because mm. I like 
I was like, you know, they don't seem like they want to fuck with any cannabis content, but what you're saying, man, makes perfect sense of ways to kind of get around it and still get exposure. I mean, I, I got shut down yesterday. So it was it was at 8.49 Sunday night. Uh, I when know you say shut down? My ad, my ad account. They literally went from, hey, thanks for $100,000 to you can no longer post anything. All of your ads have been stopped. We charged out your account. That's what pissed me off, too, is they charged out my account immediately. I was like, hey, well, I did not agree to that. But okay, uh Charged out my account, put it on my card, uh, and then they were just like, "You can't do anything." And I had to, and I had to like, this was eight forty nine. I had a, I had a date, so I like it was literally twenty minutes before my date, and I was like, "Oh my god, oh shit!" <laughs> and uh, and I was just like, "All right, I'm gonna fix this tomorrow." And like, luckily, I had spent enough money with Facebook that they put me into some VIP thing that I could like bitch to some actual person about. But without that, I would have had no ability to fight this. And I would have had to have somebody else run my ads or I would have, you know, my opinion is if you're going to do a Facebook ad account for anything weed related, my advice to you, do it under your account, but also create a secondary Facebook account that's just like John Q Public or whatever fake name and have them be an admin on your page. So that way, if anything goes bad, you have a secondary Facebook account that you can run ads through. Because in my opinion, it's always random. It's some algorithm flags you and then they somebody who's probably paid to just sit there and through a page and just look at things for five seconds and make a split second decision sees weed cancels you they're done and until somebody's willing to until you can get somebody to care enough about you to review that manually you're shut down for good so just have a secondary account and then you probably won't get flagged again so so are you in review right now or did you get it turned? i got it turned got back it turned. on oh, okay. but i but i have to say that i i will credit the fact that i've spent so much money with them is the only reason i was able to get someone to look at it so quickly the last time i got shut down i was shut down for five months oh shit and i had to have i had a secondary ad account and then that they only because they saw that it was tied to the other thing it got shut down and then i had to have a buddy do it for like three or four months and then finally through emailing a ton got them to come back on then they got me set up with that special vip thing where if it got shut down again they'd help me the point is it's not good facebook is garbage and i wish i didn't have to give them another fucking dime of my money but it is an arguably it's an arguably the cheapest best way for me to sell out my shows right now I hope they're not fucking killing kids or anything, but right now I don't have any other option. I I, I actively, if once I figure something out, I'll be shouting it out to the world. I would love to find a better way to do it, but you know, create mailing lists, get something that's external from Facebook because that that was one thing they did help me is I had a huge mailing list external from Facebook that I was able to keep people aware of my shows while we were going through those troubles. That's key, huh? You send but, one out. How often do you send out a? I don't send a. I don't. I send them out max twice a month because I don't want people to feel spammed. So I'll do sure. it like two weeks out from the show and then the week of the show, and uh, and mostly just to let people know. Because people get mad. They're just like, when you let me know in the show. That's <laughs> all. I'm sorry, brother. Turn now, your spam filter off. No, I did catch some clips. I actually saw one of Nolan too. Um, so are all all your shows filmed? No, God, because only I do it. So I don't want to edit all that shit. I uh, I try to film when I can. Um, I it's like to me that's like the hobby aspect of it. Like it's fun. Like I just I just did one for um for our show that was on January eighth at the Hollywood Improv. I filmed all that because I I'm trying to film the, like the prominent ones. But when we were doing eight a month, and I was hosting six of them minimum it just became an overwhelming amount of content and editing and I was having no free time and I'm not really a video or an audio editor. So I felt like what I was putting out there was like, okay, but it wasn't phenomenal, you know? And if I was making more money off this, I would pay someone to do it all, but I'm not. And I don't feel like I could maybe find someone to do it, but I could not pay them a fair wage. And if I can't pay someone a fair wage, then we just got to cut it all together. You know? So I feel you. Yeah, it's hard. And now, now that you say that, I'm wondering how would you have a mic that hooks up somehow? Like, how would you get, or would you wear a lapel? No, no lapels, because if you're not, because comics, we don't want to switch lapels every time. You know, oh, they're true, about to go. Up. So what I use is I use an H6, and we hook it up into the uh, to the soundboard, typically through the monitor out, because with stand up comedy, it's not like we're having like these deep, crazy audio that's coming out. So I'll go from like the audio, the monitor out, where you'd hook up headphones to listen to it. Uh, hook that into an H6, now you've got line-in audio, and then the H, the Zoom H6s have the little uh, recorders on the top, so you get the back of the audience, and then you have one pointed at the audience from the front, so you get their laughter is coming out of them into that microphone, okay. 
and then our voice is going that way so you can hopefully mix it together splice it up make it sound good I mean we've had some of our audio like we not from Gateway Show but from other shows I produce like we got a few on Sirius XM like it's, if you get to a good room that can be CD, CD level quality but it's a lot to do for something that I found was completely luxury. <laughs> you know, it's, I'd like to, like, I'm, I'm going to record Bray tomorrow because hopefully we're going to have 350 people there. I love the comedians that are there. I think it's going to look good on a backdrop, and I have no idea if I'll ever do anything with it. But if some special moment happens, hopefully we'll have it recorded. We can put it out. If I had to hire one more person to help me, that would be the number one thing I'd have them do is I just have them working on cut. I've got years of these clips from when we were recording it, and I would love to start releasing them chronologically and just, like, putting them all out and then getting caught up. But good fucking luck, yeah, man. It's, it's, it's hard once you get a lot of footage built up, too. It's like, yeah. oh, shit, like you're saying, how well, much time is this going to take We're going to put out an album. We're working on that in oh, dope. in the next month, I would say. We're almost done with it. I'm working with a woman by the name of Emily Block from San Francisco, which she worked for Audible and Rooftop Comedy. She's a really great audio editor, really big comedy fan, Works with Chris Gethard. I think she does a, the after show podcast for Chris Gethard. I think that's her like her main baby. But uh, she's been working with me over the last few months of like cutting up my favorite clips from like 2014 to 2019. And then we're going to take those, cut out like two minutes of their sober set, two minutes of their high set, combine them into one clip, and then put that out as an album, like 20 of our favorite sets. So we're working on that. And even that's taken me months to figure out and where will you release that uh, just spotify Spotify? we're just gonna put it out you know it's just one of those things where like we're gonna give the comics that are we're doing it they're gonna get 100 percent of the proceeds where i'm not gonna make a dime off of it i just want it to exist so yeah spotify is where it's at too man yeah it's like a promotional thing you know so i look at it and go you know with spotify then we can encourage people to the show if you like us follow us on spotify you'll see our event like that's a way to get away from facebook and it's, you know we can do bands in town and stuff like that through them and try to find this external source of following that isn't so reliant on having to spend money on Facebook every month. So. That's kind of my reason, one of my reasons for the podcast too because I do a lot of YouTube content Yeah. and then I got, they give me some strikes and shit. So I'm like, I'm going to focus more on my own website and building a podcast and just getting on as many platforms as I can because yeah. I don't want to be reliant on fucking, like you said, Facebook for me, it's more YouTube. Like I don't yeah. want to be reliant on shit so yeah i would uh we're gonna yeah we want i want to create some podcast content for gateway show just something that i can do out of my house that's just people want to follow you they want to have more content from you you know there's always people that want good content so trying to figure out that balance has been key i mean it's it's where do you stop expanding the show i'm good at finding venues i'm good at finding sponsors i'm good at running the show i'm good at booking comics and then it comes down to like okay well where is the next thing I need to learn? And I feel like it's in that like podcast space. It's in the releasing content and developing fans, like creating a Patreon and figuring out what can I offer on a Patreon for people? Because I think that's where so many people are going nowadays that it's helping them stay afloat as an artist is like having a Patreon that makes you external from Facebook. You know, you're still beholden to them but they're not this mega giant like Facebook that, it, you know, can completely, like, like I was showing um, beforehand, I was saying like we, we had this thing where I had 250 tickets given away, 200 tickets, and like when Facebook shut me down, it went to zero. Like that's a lot of control for a company that does not seem to give a fuck. That's a lot of control for them to have over your business. Yeah, it's scary kind of. When, when I played uh, online games, when they would change something, they would release patch notes. And those patch notes had hyper-specific, like, if you were playing, like, a game that had wizards in it and your spell took .01 seconds longer to cast, that patch note would tell you. Facebook should be doing shit like that when they change their policies. They should go, advertising patch note, we're no longer going to allow this. or But they don't because they don't have to. No one's forcing them to. So every month, they don't even tell you anything's changed. I'll just be like, huh, this isn't working anymore. And then I'm spending, I don't get that money back. I don't get it. With all this trouble, I can't go to Facebook and go, uh, I think you should give me $100 off my next ad. They don't give a fuck. They're like, if you don't like it, we have a million other people that would love to give us money. Yeah, it's kind of fucking crazy, really. And that's the problem it's with all these like places. It's almost like they're, where's the camera? It's almost like they're a monopoly. Mono- they, are, they are a <laughs> fucking monopoly. Yeah, and that's uh, that's crazy like that, man. The fact that they have that control. I would, and that's where, when it com- becomes federally legal, I wonder... 
if all this is going to go away. Federally legal, yeah, exactly. Like, um, uh, well, I think that it will and it won't because you still can't advertise beer on Facebook, like things like that. I think they're going to be a little less of pricks about it, uh, you know, because like imagine if you couldn't advertise. Like I see bars advertised on Facebook all the time. You know what I mean? Because Facebook is inherently a federal company. So advertising something that is still federally illegal on them, I get why they're cautious. But also, you know, how many fake CBD pills can they hawk and things like that that aren't actually doing anybody any benefit before they make a principled decision? Like, if they're going to go against laws and they're going to be pricks and they're going to run our fucking country into the ground, could they at least do it in a way that's a little more punk rock? I mean, that's all I'm looking for. Yeah, that's... uh, (laughs) I like how you said a little more punk rock. But... To me too, like you're saying, I just want to just know, like, hey, yeah. and that's where I'll say um, that at least um, like TikTok, I just download the app to fuck with it a little bit. I tried to upload something like, nope, not going to fucking work. Yeah. I feel like they're a little more hardcore at least, which is whack, but at least I know that. I mean, aren't they for like 15 year olds? So I get why yeah, they're like, yeah. they're like, which yeah. I get, which I get, but at least they let you. No, but I'm saying they're, they're a little more like, oh, you can't yeah, do that. Yeah, yeah exactly. We see all this uh, shit going on with this whole think kid thing with YouTube's crazy too. What's is that? Um, ev- everybody's channel now. You have to say if you make kids content, and now people who've had making kids content for years and years, making a living on it. But I think it's good. Here's the thing: I will say that YouTube was pretty transparent. They gave them months to figure it out, and a lot of that kids content was garbage. And they had to do something about it. I don't know. You know, it's so weird to be living like the internet's still so young. And you I, know? I agree, and though. I think it. I think it is. A that's good my thing. thing. I wouldn't have any problem if they had strict, very transparent exactly. rules that I could. And that's if if we were to go through my emails to them, you'll see. Like I always like if you want me to change something specifically, tell me what to change, and I will change it tomorrow. It will be changed immediately. I don't mind following rules. I only have to come up with these bizarre backwards things because I can't figure out what Facebook wants of me. So I've got to get around their algorithms. If it was a person and it could, we could just in a per, in a perfect world, what I would have is I'd have an advertising rep, and I would have to plan out my ads with that rep, and then they would have to personally approve them, and my ads would cost a little more, but I would be confident that they would run the way I was told they would because that person approved it and they're in charge of it. And then if something went wrong, that person would be accountable. They'd pay me back. We'd go whatever, and maybe I'm paying a little more, but I'm paying a little more for accountability. I wouldn't mind paying a little more considering the money I've wasted with Facebook. I like that model. That you're yeah. saying. It makes sense for people like you who are dropping serious coin on the ads. But they're not going to do that because that's infrastructure they have to pay for. That's a person they have to pay for. That's a lot more work for them. And that's the reality. We can talk about cost, things being cost effective. It's laziness. It's laziness from a managerial perspective because they don't want to have to hire people. Make sure they're good. Keep track of them. Train them. Keep them there when another company comes and tries to steal them away. But if you got an algorithm... <laughs> You could, nobody can take your algorithm, and so now you don't have to change anything. And if you're the only game in town, nobody can demand that you be better. So, you know, the first person that figures out a way to create an event platform separate from Facebook that has the same kind of reach of Facebook and can do it, I'm all for it. And I think that somebody's going to have to because peop, younger people are driving away from Facebook in droves. And they've, they've got to be getting their event info from somewhere. So... I'm going to figure it out. But in the meantime, Facebook is going to continue to get all my money and continue to be a bigger pain in my ass. And I'm, just, <laughs> I'm literally going to be that meme going, shut up and take my money when they <laughs> shut me down. So. True that, though, man. You're just trying to promote the biz and everything you're doing is legit. Like you said, you're not trying to sling some fucking, like these people on Instagram trying to sling actual fucking yeah, bud. Like, I can talk with the liquor and cannabis control boards, and we're completely cool with them. It's these corporations that I'm giving my money to that seem to be wanting to shut me down. So I don't, man. That's I. You know I can't complain because so many other companies have it way worse, and so many other weed businesses have it so much worse. And they should come with me and give me money to help them. That's Fuck my yeah. thing. That's my final statement on that. Is that they oh, should yeah, give man. me money. They should give me their money. I agree. <laughs> and for real, like everything you explained, man, makes perfect sense. And power to you for just keep on fucking making dope shows, man. Once again, man. What's the best place? Just on Instagram at Billy Tells Jokes and at, at Billy the Tells, Gateway Comedy at, Show. At Gateway Comedy Show, at Billy Tells Jokes. You can find me at, at or just BillyAnderson.com. GatewayShow.com has links to everything. Um, yeah, and keep an eye out for that album. It's just going to be dope. Nice. Do you have a name for the album yet, or is it tentative still? It's just going to be Best Of 2014 to 2019. That's what okay. we're going to call it because that's all, all we're doing. Keep an eye out for Best Of, and uh, when you get that album, let me know when it's out, and I'll make a video that I'll throw up on the True Buds TV YouTube page. 
so you guys can just uh, keep you in the loop on that. Fuck yeah. And if I can say, shout out to our uh, California sponsors, Absolute Extracts. Shout out to our Denver sponsors, Seed and Smith. Shout out to our Colorado Spring sponsors, High Hopes. And shout out to everybody else in between who's helped us out to be successful. Very much appreciate you. Hell yeah. I know Absolute Extracts for sure. I'm feeling those gel caps, man. Those <laughs> things get me fucking lit. But I'll have to try that uh, live uh, resin you're talking oh, about. The dart pens are amazing. The dart pen, man. I'll check that out. Thanks again for stopping by today, bro. Thank you for having me, man. Excited to go check out a Gateway Comedy Show, man. Thank you. Come out. Will do.